Um, some of you may be so in tune with the Christian calendar, um, the calendar of the, of the Christian year, that you knew before you came today that today is Ascension Sunday. Or maybe, if you didn't already know that, um, that first hymn that we sang was a clue for you, oh yes, it's Ascension Sunday. Or maybe some of the others of you are like, Ascension Sunday, what is that? <laughs> so um, we are on that Sunday that happens between Easter and Pentecost every year. It actually happens the Sunday before Pentecost where we are following the storyline that begins in the Gospels and then continues in the book of Acts. And so after the resurrection of Jesus, we have this 40-day period where Jesus appears and spends time with the disciples all the way up to ascension. Uh, and, and this is the Sunday in the Christian year where we celebrate that ascension. And then next week, we celebrate the day of Pentecost. So on Ascension Sunday, we remember the day that Jesus was lifted up. Something that we remember every time we say the Apostles' Creed or some of our other creeds. We just said it this morning. Remember, he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So the ascension of Christ is a part of that core creed that we say together. And yet as I approach Ascension Sunday today... I don't know about you, but I'm feeling less lifted up and more weighed down. It's a hard day following another hard week because we have encountered another tragic and horrible event that has brought pain and despair. And reminded us again that all is not right with the world. And these events just keep piling up. And in the face of them coming one after the other, so many already in the year 2022, what are we to say about these things? I am thankful for the inspiration that comes from Scripture and the fact that a Scripture that falls every year on this Sunday in the liturgical calendar in the lectionary and a Scripture that we had picked out weeks ago as the one that I would preach on today has the power to even speak into this particular moment in which we find ourselves this week. And so I invite you to follow along as I read the beginning of the story that comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 1, the first 11 verses. And this book, as I begin to read, one of the th you'll notice that it's written in the first, first person, and that is because Luke, who we understand to have written the Gospel of Luke, is also attributed with having written the book of Acts and being one of the members, eyewitnesses of much of what happened in the early church. And so Luke begins his book of Acts by saying this, Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven, that day of ascension. 
Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit and breathe life into the words that I speak. That they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives on this day. Amen. What kind of kingdom are we seeking? What kind of kingdom are we seeking? This is the question that our scripture today invites us to ponder and to ask ourselves and to sit with for a little while. It is a question that ultimately demands a response from each and every one of us. What kind of kingdom are we seeking? The disciples were with Jesus for 40 days. They heard all sorts of things from him again, reminding them of what he had taught along the journey of ministry. And now that he has announced that he is about to depart, And that the Father will give them what had been promised. We hear a question come out of their mouths that makes us realize that they still don't get it. (laughs) They still don't get it. They still have an idea of the kind of kingdom that they would like to have. And there is a disconnect in this moment. The question that the disciples ask is, Jesus... Is it now? Is now the time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And notice the words there, restore the kingdom to Israel. The disciples are looking backward. They are longing for a time that has already gone by in Israel's history, a time when they were a powerful country in the presence of other countries. And with nostalgia about a time that none of them were even alive for, but they've heard others tell about that existed before their particular time, they keep looking back longing for Israel to be powerful as they once were. And their nationalistic pride gets in the way of hearing what Jesus is saying to them as he prepares to leave them. Jesus keeps on trying to talk to the disciples about the kingdom that God is building. And the disciples keep trying to bring the conversation back to the kind of kingdom that they would like to have for themselves. We do that sometimes, don't we? (laughs) Jesus is desperately trying to speak to us through our time in prayer, through our time in scripture, for us to listen to what is speaking to us about a kingdom that God wants to build. And we keep wanting to focus on whatever our immediate need or desire of the day is. What kind of kingdom are we seeking? What kind of kingdom is it that we want for ourselves and for our children and for our grandchildren and for all of God's children. Perhaps in trying to work our way toward an answer to that question, in addition to paying attention to the voice that speaks to us through scripture and prayer and quiet and reflection, Perhaps a good starting point for us is is to take a moment and name the kingdoms that we aren't seeking. So let me try that for a moment with us. Surely, surely the kingdom that we are seeking is not one where children keep suffering at the hands of violently armed assailants, while nothing changes to reduce the risk of it happening again. Surely that is not the kingdom that we are seeking. Surely the kingdom that we are seeking is not one where we adopt inequitable standards for educating our children, often along lines of socioeconomics and skin color. Did you know that a state not so far away from us in a year not so long ago adopted legislation that actually sets the standard that guarantees that every child in that state will receive, and I quote, a minimally adequate education. Surely that is not the kind of kingdom that we are seeking. Surely the kind of kingdom that we are seeking is not one where single parents are disincentivized from advancement in the workplace. A story that we 
Some of us knew already, but some of us are coming to know as we hear the stories coming out of our own circles ministry that is a part of Trinity through our faith mission presence, where we are learning the stories of those who encounter what is known as the cliff. Do you all know about the cliff? That point where persons who are seeking to better their life, who are seeking to raise their wages, get to a point where their wage level all of a sudden puts them in a bracket where rather than a gradual removal of benefits and services that they got when they had a lower wage, they drop off the cliff and receive no benefits and services. And even though they are earning a higher wage by working in the work environment, they, are, they have less to be able to care for their families. Surely that is not the kind of kingdom that we are seeking, where we disincentivize people. Surely it is not a kingdom where we tell young women they must bear children they did not intend, while simultaneously telling young men they can move on with their lives without cost or consequence. Surely. It is not a kingdom that we are seeking that is one where the church divides over different interpretations of Scripture on a subject that Jesus says nothing about anywhere in the Gospels. Surely these are not the kingdoms that we are seeking. And yet, they are the kingdoms in which we find ourselves. And if we are honest, the kingdoms that we too often continue tolerating, especially when they don't hit close to home. It's easy to tolerate kingdoms that don't impact our own personal lives, isn't it? But hear the good news, my friends. We are not helpless and we are not hopeless. There is good news. There is always good news for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is always good news for us in hearing what he has to say to us as people of faith called to make courageous witness. The disciples asked, is this the time, Jesus? Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And their question is really about power. They were excited about the prospect of Israel and themselves, by extension, being powerful again. Jesus does not answer their question directly, but he does answer it unequivocally. You will be powerful, Jesus says. There is power coming to you that I will invest in each of you. It just won't look like the kind of power you've asked for. It won't come in the form that you thought you wanted. But instead, Jesus says... The power that you will receive is the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that power comes, 
it will be for a specific task to be my witnesses. To be my witnesses, Jesus says, to be people who have walked with me and dined with me and learned from me and have seen the kinds of ways in which I have interacted with all of God's children and who will take up the mantle and be witnesses to that kind of life and that kind of presence in the world now. And it is power that comes from the Holy Spirit, he tells the disciples, that will make that possible. And 2,000 years later, my friends, you and I stand in the line of those who say yes, who have said yes in our baptisms to accepting that same power that God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. God grants us the power through the Holy Spirit to confront the disturbing and the dysfunctional and the dehumanizing kingdoms of this world and to put into practice the spirit of love and power and self-discipline that God gives us to work together, to work together, my friends. Have you read the book of Acts? Have you seen the stories about how the early church was caught up in all sorts of conflict and disagreements, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, they figured out how to work together so that they might bear witness together of the reality of a kingdom that was coming into the world that God could inaugurate alone. That power is still present and available for us to be at work together to make our communities and our world look more like the kingdom God has in mind to build among us. After Jesus responds to their question, Luke tells us that the ascension happens And the disciples stand there and look Google-eyed up toward heaven, lost in a trance seemingly, until the two men in white robes show up and break them out of their trance. Why are you standing here, they say to the disciples. The disciples had received their commission. Jesus had promised them the power of the Holy Spirit, had charged them to go and be witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and in all the world. And the time had come for them to act. The question from the two men made it clear that they shouldn't just keep standing around doing nothing. And the book of Acts is the evidence that they didn't. They got up and they took action. They didn't just stand around and do nothing. 
And neither should we, my friends. Neither should we.